rest was best for me The killer culture, America made a mess of me You inherited everything we died for And all we get is a goddamn mascot Best destiny, a rest was best for me The killer culture, America made a mess of me You inherited everything we died for And all we get is a goddamn I'm John Kane, and I welcome you to Let's Talk Native on this Saturday, October 5th. While this program may not provide a path to spiritual enlightenment, we do encourage and in some cases start conversations. We don't do prayers and we don't do buffalo speeches. We take a tough look at our history, oppression, and survival. We talk about culture, the arts, politics, and identity. And we do step on a few toes along the way. But our real goal here is to bring people together by breaking down what separates us. We will take on the false narratives and provide critical thinking to all that is heaped upon us. And we do it all right here from the Cattaraugus territory of the Sanga Nation. So let's talk native. But first, let me remind people, you can catch this show streaming live, as far as the audio goes, on our website, which is www.letstalknative.com. We stream live video of the show on Facebook, via Facebook Live, on various uh, Facebook group pages. We take the audio and we put it up on SoundCloud, so it becomes a podcast on any of your, your favorite podcast platforms. We... Uh, we, we take the video and we put it up on our YouTube channel, which is Let's Talk Native TV. Encourage you to subscribe to the podcast and subscribe to our YouTube channel, and uh, and please you know, spread the word. We try to have conversations that that warrant conversations, so we can empower ourselves to to confront some of the very issues that we uh, we are faced with all the time. Uh, I want to talk about resistance today, so that's kind of what we're going to talk about. But first, let me uh, again. Introduce myself. I'm John Kane. I'm the show's host and producer, and I'm joined in studio by Jake Proud, who's managing our video and our sound. Um, yes, let's talk native resistance because look, we we have an awful lot, um, a lot of people who want to characterize, characterize um, some of their actions or their or their existence as resistance. In fact, that's one of the expressions, right? Our our existence is resistance. Well. I think it depends on what we're existing as. You know, we've, we've talked about umwe um, umwe and what that really means, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more here today. But I do want to push back on some of the some of the conversations about briefcase warriors. Like somehow, you know, the, the Harvard Law degree is what uh, is what is providing our you know our resistance to uh, and resistance to what? Because I think if we aren't resisting assimilation, then we aren't resisting, and if we're Adopting uh, the terms of of assimilation, if we're becoming more and more American, if we're becoming, if we embrace U.S. citizenship ahead of our own and ahead of our own identity, then again, I go back to that question: uh, our existence is resistance. Existing is what? You know, this is this is part of the challenge, and you know, I, I hear plenty of people telling you know telling folks to go out and vote, run for office. But they're not talking about native office. They're talking about voting in, in the in the Euro, in the Euro colonial uh, elections, the Canadian elections, the the U.S. elections, state elections, provincial elections. Look, I follow politics as much as anybody, and and I don't question the that their politics impacts us, but it's still their politics. And I think any attempt that we make or, or, or to to become a part of them with with some you know, again, some some notion that we're going to somehow uh, protect ourselves. I, I literally heard somebody arguing with me. The only way to protect ourselves is to vote in their election. Well, how is that protecting ourselves? I, you know, obviously, I I say the exact opposite. I I, I believe that the more we assimilate, and and the more that they can claim that they represent us in their in their in in their politics and their governance. The less secure we are, as as autonomous and as distinct, you know, without even getting into the word sovereign and sovereignty, which is more about power than identity. But if if we give that up, if we register our homes as a part of some state or federal legislative district, what then what are we saying? And and if we're doing so because we we think that in that process, in that system, is where we're going to provide resistance. Well, I, I I think it's you know it's not just a fantasy. 
it is, I mean, it, it's not even a well-founded fantasy. It's one thing to have have of a belief or, or faith, but there's no strategy there. As distinct people, as people who, uh, who, uh, again, not just, it isn't even about governance, you know, tribal governance, and I hate to use that word, but for, for lack of a better word, I guess. It's not about, you know, our own governance. I mean, it is partially, but that's not what we're defined by either. See, the box is theirs that we keep trying to put ourselves in. I mean, even words like citizenship. Look, if I say that, that I'm Gunyagahaga, that's not the same as thing as me saying, well, I'm a member or a citizen of the Mohawk Nation. Because every one of those things, <laughs> all three of those words, citizen, Mohawk, and nation, none of those three words are ours. So we have to re- rethink about how how do we view ourselves? You know, and I come back to the, to the word ungwe, ungwe, a human being, ungwe, forever. And forever in both directions. So what makes a real human being? Well, I'll tell you what makes a real human being, human being is understanding our, our connectivity to creation. And that, of course, includes land. The reason that we're ungwe, ungwe, and... Uh, others aren't is because they can't even pretend to have that connection look I, I hear white people say all the time well I was born here that makes me a Native American well you can keep that word <clears throat> but I mean if you're just going to play semantics with it I guess but it doesn't make you an, uh, a, doesn't make you ungoing way doesn't make you a Native person so these are the conversations that for one thing we have to own some of this stuff I think it's fine to say that our existence is our resistance if we are existing within our own identity. But if we're not, if we're only existing as shadows of who we once were, and when I say once, once, I don't mean just shadows of who we were 10 years ago. I mean shadows of who we were hundreds of years ago because I think we've got to go back a ways. I think we've got to go back you know, seven, maybe even eight generations before we can really view ourselves independent of colonialism and and the effects of colonialism they've been at it for a long time you know ever since they washed up on our shores they've been doing a lot of things i mean i've talked about residential schools i've talked about you know um the doctrine of christian discovery i've talked about you know the massacres and the uh, the racist policies, the the abject poverty that Native people live. Oh, look, all that stuff is imposed. But at some point, if we stop resisting that stuff, if we just accept our lot in life as to what they've handed us, you know, one of the things that, that got me going on this, is I saw a post, I don't know if it was yesterday or today, and it was about Wes Studi um, being honored by the Academy Awards with an Oscar, Lifetime Achievement Award. And when it listed him, it says Vietnam veteran and Native American West Studi. Now, what did being a Vietnam veteran have have to do with him receiving an Academy Award? I mean, how was that the first identifier? Well, I, I, I'll tell you one of the reasons because it, it was a military. Um, I think it was on some sort of military post website or something like that. But still, it didn't say Cherokee. Or use the Cherokee word for Cherokee. It didn't say. It didn't really give identify him by something that that should identify him. That, that should have been more of an identifier for him. Vietnam veteran. I mean, look, and I know how people, how impassioned people are about things like their their war service and and you know again the the, the code talkers and stuff like that. But if you're ninety years old. And and you're still being identified by the couple of years that 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 the United States was exploiting our language for for the military. If that's what you're still being identified, what did the hell that happened with the rest of your life? I you know again when, when we talk about identity, we we can choose to I mean to to put forth what we want to be identified as. And look, if you're if you're if you're native and you want to be identified as a as a veteran, if that's the first thing that you want to be identified before you 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 say. Onondawaga uh, or Gunyagahaga or Onyotaaga or Navajo or Dene or uh, or you know Anishinaabe Lakota. If you want to use that, out there, if you want to use American or Indian, 
I just say that words matter. And and I think when we talk about resistance and when we talk about our existence being that resistance, we got we it has to come back to to what we're existing as. We have to take responsibility for our for our identity. And if we're not going to correct when somebody else improperly identifies us, I mean, when, when I hear a white person tell me, well, you don't look very native, and then the same person will say, did you know that Iron Ice Cody wasn't native? Yeah, I knew it. But that's the image you have. That's how you think that somebody has to be identified. You think you laying your eyes on me is your opportunity to identify who or what I am. That somehow I don't get to identify myself or anybody else. And look, I'm not saying, you know, when I, when I condemned the, the briefcase warrior, you know, uh, concept, I'm not saying the only way to resist is to pick up a gun and, and, uh, and toe the line against, uh, you know, against the enemy forces. Some of us have done that. <laughs> but that's not the only form of resistance. You know, what, you know where some of this resistance lies? Again, in identity. What are we teaching our kids? What are, how are we conducting ourselves in our community? You know, uh, you know uh, again, a lot of people want to identify themselves by the career they chose. Iron worker, pipe fitter, you know, um, uh, operator, you know. And, and I think if, if somebody's asking a question about what do you do for a living, that's fine. But if you're identifying again your your existence is the first way that you identify yourself is is how you um again what your what your employment is then then you are that's well if, you, if that's how you do then that's what you're representing yourself as so I think again if we're going to talk about our existence being uh our resistance then then how is being an iron worker you know resistance. How's being a, a congresswoman being being resistance? That's not resistance. So again, if you're a teacher, if if you're helping to shape our young minds, if you're if you're putting crops in the ground, if you're doing the some of the stuff that that our people have did long before the first white man came here, then now that existence is is your resistance, sure. So I think that's some of what we have to we 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 have to grab a piece of that. And we have to begin to identify ourselves in a way that talks about our relationship to creation, to our homes, to our people, to our family, to our community. This is, these are the things that we need to identify ourselves as. How do you serve your people? And, and who do you serve? Because look, if, even if it's just your family, you know, even if you don't do much outside of your own own household, well, you know, it'd be great if you did more than that. But you know, but at least that's something. It, I have no problems with somebody saying, "Well, I'm a father, or a grandfather, or a mother, or a grandmother, or an aunt." Look, it, because there's a there's a whole responsibility that comes with that. I think that's a fine way to identify yourself, because you're you're identifying yourself by your by your relationship. So you know. So I that I'm I'm fine with. And look, I'm not condemning people who are using some of these other, you know, perspectives to identify themselves. I'm just saying think about it. I'm not saying it's wrong. But again, if we're going to go back to that and and I love the expression. I love the 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 whole concept that we get that we can put forward that yeah, our existence is a resistance. I I love that. If depending on what we're existing as so we go back to that word only only. I mean, as a, as a word that doesn't just define, you know, Gunjagahag um, or Unundawaga or Dene or Lakota. I mean, it's it's a word that we use to define all this because, you know, it, it's not the word. You know, a lot of times we we think that to translate something, we, we it's it's a word in word out. I mean, we use the word. I use the word native. I don't I don't use Indian. I don't use Native American. You know, even indigenous. My hat says make. I don't know what's it say. Make America indigenous again or something. I mean, I'm not even sure which hat I have on. <laughs> but the word indigenous, I have a problem with. And why do I have a problem with the word indigenous? 
Because on you know there there's multiple definitions. Among the definitions are you know talks about being native to a, to a to a soil to you know to a place, but in the international definition of indigenous, it frames it as a as descendants of an original people. You know that that have been that have been colonized. Well, I don't want to be framed within some colonial perspective, and I'm and I don't consider myself just the descendant of of native people. I am a native person. I, I'm not the descendant of Ongoy Ongwe. I am Ongoy Ongwe. So this is part of the conversation that, that I think, you know, is, is probably worth having. If not having the conversation, at least ha- thinking about it. I, th- I think we just have to at least think about it. Because this, if we're going to refer to ourselves, if we're, if we're going to talk about resistance, what are we resisting? Because I'm not saying that we're 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 providing adequate resistance because I think we have been at this for a long time and we've been on the short end and we've we've been beaten down pretty good <clears throat> and even as we have gained some prosperity you know through you know however we've I mean there was a time that it was native people couldn't even work off the territory I mean that whole expression well that such and such has gone off the reservation that's that was meant that meant that they were wild they were wild or you know untamed. I mean, even here in places like Cataraugus, I mean you don't have to talk to you know people a little older than me who said, no, we never went to town. And why? Because they weren't welcome. And, you know, so there wasn't, you know, there there wasn't um uh job opportunities. I mean, look, my father's generation um were the ones that um really started uh promoting the idea of working in high steel. And 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 it's that same generation. And I don't mean just my father because he's Mohawk, but I mean all of working in the trades, the building trades. Native people prove themselves capable in those trades. But we didn't have a whole lot of that work off of our territory, you know, for, for a long time. We lived um, kind of once we gave, we had lost so much of our land, gave some of it up or had it swindled out from underneath us or whatever else our affluence in terms of quality of life diminished significantly and you know poverty was something that we were were, were strongly stricken with and the the ability to, to uh you know again to provide for ourselves became very limited now some of that opened up as as our people prove you know proved themselves in in some of the the workforce out there and of course, there's a lot of opportunities now that didn't exist. I mean, you know, if people can go to Harvard and become that briefcase warrior. And and of course, we've we've built economies. We've got you know, gas and tobacco and gaming. So we have developed a certain level of affluence. Although, the more affluence that developed, the, the more disparity, uh, uh, wealth disparity increased. You know, on our territories, the haves and the have-nots. We we still have people very very poor. It's just that now we have some people who are very very wealthy. But we, we haven't lifted our all of ourselves up. So, but even as we developed that wealth, we became so conscious about what it meant. There's a French word it means the uh, nouveau riche. It means the, the new rich, and it usually means it's it's meant as an insult. Because if you're you know if you're nouveau riche, it means that you you're you're still just uh, you know a thug with money. You know that you're that you're not sophisticated. You're not, you know, you're you're crude. Well, our people started struggling to, you know, they wanted to be, become more sophisticated. They they didn't. They wanted to be look like they deserved the wealth that they acquired. And so, how do you do that? Well, you assimilate. You start looking a lot like the very people that we've been fighting for for hundreds of years. You start acting very much the same. You know, you hire your, you know, uh, uh, some white accountants and, and, a, and a, a bevy of white lawyers to, uh, you know, to defend everything you're doing. And no, we're not defending it by going to the streets anymore. I mean, those, I mean, the the 90s, remember the 90s? When, when fighting for something meant, meant shutting the throughway down? You know, or, or really taking a physical stand? Now, now, now we look for that, you know, that lawyer who's going to come in and you know create some sort of legal argument that that allows us to you know you know file for an injunction, oh that's going to teach them, and that's how we 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 look at resistance now, 
And I'm not just talking about the people here. I'm talking about the so-called leadership. We don't have a circumstance where the leadership says, no, look, I'm going to call on my people to go down to the, you know, to, you know, to, to stage a protest or to, or to stand by and, and, and offer resistance. No. They're the ones who are, are they're among the ones who, who are going to hire the lawyers. Or, or worse yet, not hire lawyers, they're going to hire lobbyists. So they're not even going to defend themselves. They're going to throw a bunch of money at the opposition, hoping that it can sway them. Well, I'm sorry, that's not resistance, folks. That's not, that's not resistance. So when we're trying to stop a pipeline, and we're trying to stop some behavior that's going to adversely affect us, whether it's environmental, whether it's you know uh, regulatory, whatever it is, Look, I got to tell you, I was really pleased with the way the Senecas in particular conducted themselves in the in the battle over, um, uh, I think it was Cottersport or, or some little town in, um, uh, in, in Pennsylvania that was going to receive uh, a bunch of fracking wastewater. And it was going to go through their water treatment plant and then get dumped into the headwaters of the Allegheny River. And the Seneca people stepped up for that. I'm not saying the Seneca Nation officials didn't didn't have you know didn't weigh in, but it wasn't just them. It wasn't just filing filing injunctions. It was it was really a um, a a broad based approach to, to fighting this thing, almost unplanned. And and I thought that was great. I, I you know look I was proud to proud of the of the Senecas who stepped up. Well, I was I was proud of the Seneca Nation because it wasn't. It wasn't just the Senecas who showed up there. I mean, this was something that the entire Seneca nation, you know, the people, the leadership, you know, all the way through could claim a victory on. Because, and it was, and pressure was put on at all levels by the, you know, by the, the, the nation administration as well. But that's not usually, that's the first time I've seen that in a while. I mean, you got to go back to the 90s when you, when you saw some stuff like that. So, and the problem is that each generation, who hasn't had the experience of, of real live resistance doesn't know how. And we don't teach it. I mean, they're sure as hell not going to le- learn it in a public school. But we should teach it. We should. And we should take the time to talk about why, why we don't stand to pledge allegiance to their flag. Why we have a, a problem with, with you know their national anthem why we shouldn't vote why we shouldn't register for the draft when our boy or why our boys shouldn't register for the draft when they turn 18 we don't even have that conversation and it sure doesn't have it, it sure it doesn't even have not i'm not crazy about top down but i mean we don't hear any advice that comes from the from the you know the leadership the people who are who have a responsibility to to offer advice and counsel i mean the reason you select or elect people to sit on a council isn't just to be a council c-o-u-n-c-i-l but they're supposed to have a skill set that allows them to provide c-o-u-n-s-e-l they should be able to provide you advice and it's not that you're they're gonna they're gonna impact you with they're not gonna tell you what to do it's not about them dictating your behavior the reason you should have cho- chosen those people is because they should have some broad-based knowledge about uh, about how to resist. Because in the world that we live in, native governance, a large part of that responsibility is resistance. And if the if your government isn't resisting, if if the people that you are empowering with with, with you're you're vesting some of your you know your power to. If they're not doing it, then, then then you need to do it. Because if you're not asserting your own power to resist, and the and the folks that you have given some of that authority to aren't doing it, then nobody's doing it. And you can't assume that they're doing it. I mean, and that, so that's part of the problem. But like I said, resistance isn't just about you know isn't just about fighting. I mean, we talk about warriors or I mean, we're not talking about just fighting back. It's about carrying 
carrying some of that past forward. And I don't just mean ceremonies in, in, a, in a religious sense, but carrying some of that, that knowledge and, 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 and implanting some of that and, and making sure that we are connected to our past and we carry that past forward. That's what Ongwe means. Human forever. So bringing a piece of that, of what we know is human, because those people, I mean, we go back far enough and we can find people who really understood what to be human meant. Because to be human didn't mean just to be separate from the rest of creation, but to be a part of it. But knowing what part of it that we played. All right, we're at the bottom of the hour, so we'll, we'll take a break here. We'll uh, go out with a little bit of song, and we'll come back and uh, we'll, we'll chew this up a little bit more. What's that? Okay, all right, okay, all right. So yeah, but we, we we'll pull we'll, we'll go out here in a little bit. But uh, again, I want I want to talk more about this thing, and and I want to spend a little bit more time explaining that resistance, and and it isn't just about how it isn't just about fighting. It's about maintaining identity. Because, like I said, I love the expression, our existence is resistance. But in order to, for that to be true, we have to make a conscious decision that what we are existing as is something distinct from, from what the powers uh, that are working against us to, you know, to, make, to eliminate us. All right, now we'll take a break. <laughs> this is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Data. We'll be back after this. Thank you for coming back. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native, and we are talking Let's Talk Native Resistance. That's what we're talking about here today. But first, let me uh, uh, go ahead and thank my sponsors. I want to thank Ross and Holly John and the RJE family of businesses for 
supporting what I do here on a, on a weekly basis. I also want to thank Eric White and ERW Enterprises. He's another supporter who does uh, does something week to week to make sure that uh, that we can keep going. Um, the folks at uh, GRE and uh, NWS they they make a contribution once a month to uh, to make sure we do. But you know, I also have a few people who help from time to time. I you know I had a little bit of a setback here. Uh, my I, I roached my vehicle here just uh, just recently and. You know, and and a few people, my good friend like uh, Harry Wallace down in Puspatuck and uh, uh, Doctor Shabe down in uh, in Yonkers, and and a few others have uh, um, have stepped up to you know to help me get, get get my wheels situated again. Those are the kinds of uh, kinds of things that that help us do what we're doing here. And and look, uh, you know, on the point that I'm talking about here, when we talk about resistance, sometimes it's about supporting others who are who are providing a service. But but let me break some of that down too, because you know, uh, look, when I when I said, uh, even if you're if the the ones that you are you are caring most for are in your immediate household, um, you look that's unfortunately we have adopted this concept of nuclear family a little bit, which is you know again you know not our concept. We 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 talked about clans. We we have a, a broader sense about what family is historically and culturally. And and so we we brought some of that stuff in tight, but you know, look, I'm not going to minimize the role of pa- parenting. It's 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 extremely important. But part of that parenting is about um is is about preparing our kids for what they are going to experience out there. Whether whether we we have to teach our kids to be you know perhaps a little more competitive when it comes to sports or understanding as as they uh, as they are being taught certain subjects. That there's always going to be, it's always going to be Eurocentric, whether it's math, science, literature, whatever it is, and that we, uh, and that we help, that we help our kids process the way they're being educated. Especially, like I said, our, most of our kids are being educated in public schools, so what they're being taught is is laced with propaganda. So we have to we have to make sure that we play in, an integral part in our in our kids education even if we aren't homeschooling them so when they when they get fed a bunch of bs about columbus or pilgrims or you know or westward expansion we got we got to make sure our kids are uh are being taught some truths there because most of what they're going to be taught in school is going to be wrong i mean it's going to be it's either going to be a blatant lie or with so much so much omission look they teach you know our kids are being taught in school when it comes to history you know like we were this period that ended with colonization i mean no they when i was a kid they taught you know um you know history in periods so there was you know indians discovery colonialization that that those were each periods of american history Civil War, you know, and of course, you know, the Depression and you know, World War One, World War Two, all you know, this is the way they, they they broke it all down. As if one period ended and the next one started. Well again, we're still here. Our existence is our resistance, yeah, to some extent. But you know what we are here through all of it. We were here you know and sometimes either affected or or even sometimes pulled in to the fights that white people were having against each other pulled into their to their race wars and their and their slave wars and their you know jim crow and the civil rights we, we got pulled into all that stuff even the stuff that that wasn't our necessarily our fight of course their 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 wars world war 1 world war 2 korea vietnam um Desert Storm, all of this stuff. Our, our people, you know, our people signed up willingly for a lot of this stuff, even without being, you know, uh, fighting over the the draft. We get sucked into their politics. I mean, we got we got politicians making overtures, not because we're we're a vote that matters to them. Why? Because it plays well. Oh, look, you know, as a part of the study of humanities, and the study of you know uh, of you know civilization. There are many people along the way who've said that you judge a civilization by how the most marginalized people are treated. So we're low hanging fruit for for white people to feel good about themselves. 
or or are black people running running in these elections? Oh yeah, they can they can make it sound like they made great overtures to us that that they care. Oh, they care, but they, what they don't care about, and even even the native guy, the guy who I had on this show, Mark Charles. I mean, he doesn't care about our distinction and our autonomy. No, he's advocating assimilation. Oh, we have to be part of we the people. We the people didn't include women. It didn't include native people. It didn't include black people. Well, you know what? By all means, we the people should include uh, you know all people who who want to be U.S. citizens. And this is where we got to rethink who we are. There, uh, there was a time where you couldn't tell uh, a native person from the on the Canadian side. You could, you called somebody Canadian, you'd been ready for a fight. And it wasn't just Mohawks. I mean, there was a lot of people you couldn't you you wouldn't use that expression. But now, man, people get sucked right into you know the the fight over their next prime minister. I heard somebody say they'd rather have um, Justin Trudeau who lies and doesn't keep promises, than um, the Shearer who 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 the danger might be if he does keep his promises because of what he's promised to do. When when nine eleven took place, Native people rushed out to get their Canadian or their U.S. passports because they knew that they're going to have trouble. They're going to have you know trouble trying to cross the border, going from Native territory. So, so to maintain their relationship with their families on either side of that imaginary line, <laughs> we about fell over ourselves trying to recognize that imaginary line. And worse than that, we made sure that we we got their documentation and we fit into their classifications of identity so we wouldn't be held up a lot of native territories in the second nation they adopted uh, the um enhanced tribal cards etcs enhanced tribal cards you know what an enhanced tribal card is it's kind of like the enhanced driver's license a little rfid chip on there um but you know the first requirement even when the second nation send out their their communications on uh, well here's what you got to get to have to uh Get your enhanced uh, tribal card. First thing was proof of American citizenship or Canadian citizenship. You could be a Canadian citizen and get an enhanced tribal card. But you needed proof of citizenship. And they weren't talking about Seneca Nation. They're talking about U.S. or Canadian. Why? Because on that enhanced tribal card, you know what what gets stuck up in the corner? A U.S. or Canadian flag. That card was specifically designed and i mean and the, and the requirements for what they call the department of homeland security or their um western hemisphere travel initiative i called it whitey they're white to be whitey compliant you had to have um it had it, that card had to serve as a proof of us or canadian citizenship so it was it was a us id card that you get to put seneca nation on it or and and i'm not picking on seneca nation because you know what that that whole pro- program was a bust here. I, I think about a hundred people signed up for a card, and they had to pay extra for it too. So what what was the enhanced tra- uh, travel card? Here's what it was. It was it was a card that had five requirements. First off, proof of U.S. or Canadian citizenship. Or you know, or I guess it could have been Mexican citizenship too. I don't know, but proof of a citizenship of of a real country, right? Not a tribe. So it had to be proof of a, of a of a national citizenship. It had to have an expiration date because they wanted you to have to renew it every couple of years. They wanted a photograph that allowed the data collection from that picture that could be punched up, uh, entered into the federal facial recognition uh, um, uh, programs that they have, their, their technology. They, they wanted to be compliant with their facial recognition technology. So they they wanted they want they wanted you in their system. They wanted um, uh, a a scannable a barcode on it, or you know whether it, you know however it would be, whether it was magnetic or whether it was just a barcode, whatever. They wanted a scannable strip on it, so so they could take your card and they could run it through their scanner and pull up all the information on you. Now, who provided that information? They could create their own file once they once once they had you in their system, their system, not not our system. They could create a file that they could pull up in a moment's notice. Now the now the RFID chip. This was so, and that, that stands for radio frequency 
um, uh, identification chip. This is so you didn't. They didn't need to scan. They didn't need to take it out, run through a scanner. They, the claim was that you could just hold it up as you went by a border checkpoint, and um, and they could pull all your data off that just by holding the card up. Well, the reality is, to some extent, they could pull that. They could pull information off that card right sitting in your wallet. So this was a way that they could pull through radio frequency um, your identity without you even producing the, your ID card for them. And, and in some cases, not even take it out of your wallet. We, Native people, were being sucked into creating these things. Now, again, we could talk about identity, but if that's what an ID is. <laughs> it's, it's an identity card. I got into a debate with with this woman who sits on one of these high commissions, high commissions at the UN. When I talked about, uh, you know, the, the failure of not just the United States and Canada, but, but the international community recognizing our right to create our own travel documents. I said, they force us to get a U.S. passport. And she says, well, I've got a U.S. passport, but it doesn't change. It doesn't change my identity. What the hell are you talking about? Of course it changes your identity. I mean, or, or it defines you. That is, it's literally what it's for. It's it's used for identification. The word identity is right in the word. So again, I don't want to belabor that point because I don't think again documents, papers, you know, your driver's license or you know or your business card. I don't think those are what identifies you. I don't think your identity is um, solely wrapped in. It. But I think we should have some control about how we represent identifying ourselves whether it's you know i whether it's a, an identification record you know a document i think you know the, the our right to produce our own travel documents should be something that we have the right to do of course we should and not just because the u.n declaration on the rights of indigenous people says it or the u.s declaration on human rights says it it should be a basic i mean it should be a basic human right without it being written down in a document or a declaration But if we are already allowing ourselves to be be manipulated, look. When I start hearing the likes of of Oren Lyons, this this iconic you know face of of Native people, or Suzanne Harjo, or any of these others running around, forget about the, these newcomers like the you know this Mark Charles who is trying to sell books by running for president. Forget about these guys. I'm talking about some of these people who have been around. When I hear those guys telling people to go out and vote. When I hear those people telling you that like, somehow we have a responsibility for the Americans to get rid of the, their, their sitting president, they're the morons that put that moron in there, not us. I think Donald Trump is the president the United States deserves. We'll see if they deserve him again. But, I mean, the, the, so this, this whole idea that that some of these so-called native leaders, the, the ones that, that are so respected by white people, and, and native people are out there telling people that. I mean, the fact that that everybody got so enamored because Deborah Hallen and Sharice David became uh, congresswomen. They're not the first. In fact, most native people <laughs> who have been a part of, of the Congress, the Senate or the House have been Republicans. Yeah, these two are Democrats. But you know what? That's that's the left and right of the same bird. They're Americans. They're voted in by white people. That's who votes them in. The you know the, the white people vote as a as a higher percentage of their of their population. They are the highest percentage of the U.S. population. Our numbers are you know really almost almost negligible, less than one tenth of one percent, or or less than a you know. Yeah, less than seven tenths of one percent, I guess, of the U.S. population. And you know, no, they they can embellish that if they if they use a census that says, "Oh, yeah, all those people who claimed without any documentation, self you know, self identified as Native people." Yeah, there's a lot of that. But again, <laughs> I mean, I'm not ex- I, you know I'm not satisfied with somebody looking at me like like I'm Elizabeth Warren. I mean, I, these, these people who want to self-identify as Native people and have no connection. Look, and I've said this before, there's a difference between having Native ancestry and having 
Native heritage. And, and I know these are two words that are, are, they're not our words, but look, if you have no connection to culture, DNA doesn't define somebody's identity. Identity is, a, is, is, a, is, is who you are, not a what, not a what you are. So, I mean, identity isn't something that somebody's going to, you know, go to 23andMe and say, okay, yeah, look, I found out, I found out what I, who I am. No, you didn't. I mean, if you were that confused about who you are and you needed somebody, you needed to spit to, to have somebody tell you who you were, then you're, you're even more confused about who you are now than you were before you did that. Look, identity is what you do. It's, it's, how, it's how you, it's about your relationship with people. I mean, we hear people say all the time, well, you know, somebody can't claim to be native if, um, if their tribe, if, if the Cherokee don't recognize you as Cherokee, then you're not Cherokee. Well, I'm not even sure if that's entirely true. Why? <laughs> Who decides what, what is, uh, what the, I mean, the Cherokee, the federally recognized Cherokee, those are tribe bands or nation of Indians subordinate to the laws of the United States. They're, they're not, I mean, so even, so-called native governance if if they if they get their power through federal recognition as opposed to again being being in a in a way in a way um their own progenitors of of who of identity if your elected leaders are completely assimilated and you're voting for them anyway you're no different than the people who voted for trump you better make sure that the people who are, you going to, are who you are going to select to carry your voice. So I don't care if you're talking about traditional governance or elected governance. I, I you know regardless of that, if you are not making sure the people who you are willing to say represent you are identifying themselves and maintaining a certain level of identity for you, then you damn sure better do it yourself said it before the best way to prevent the abuse of authority is to not give it and the best way to solve the abuse of authority is to take it back so don't give up your authority to somebody if, if you don't have the the utmost confidence i mean that's why this, this this whole crazy american system or the canadian system where where you where you're told you have a a, a choice so we're going to give you two bad choices and, and that's what you get to choose from. If that's, that's not, I mean, that's not democracy and it's not really a choice. If you got two bad choices, I mean, if you don't have a, if you don't have good choices, if you're choosing the lesser of two evils because of left or right or conservative and liberal or Republican and Democrat or, or whatever, you don't have a choice. And, and, this, but the same thing in, uh, for, for native people. We should make sure the people that we, we, we prop up you know, through our clan system or the people who, who run for office in, in, in elected style systems, that it's not just a, a popularity vote. You, it, there should be a, a certain level of competency there. And if you're not, and, and, and look, I, I, I get it. There may not be um, people who can be propped up in, you know, on a council, however that council is created, that can accurately represent you then don't let them represent you say no i'm, I'm gonna help put you i'll support putting you in that position but I, i'm not putting you in that position to represent me you're not my leader you you are my servant i mean that that's what the whole idea of leadership is supposed to be it's about being in, in the service of your people but see we got to say all twist around we, we think you know these um, americans a lottery winning a lottery uh winning an election is like winning a lottery Look at these guys in uh, in the in the American political system; they become multi-millionaires, sometimes billionaires, even though their jobs only pay them, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. Well, how do you think that works out? You think all of a sudden, you know, you know they 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 become wise investors? Oh, come on! Well, and it's the same thing, uh, you know, within our communities. We shouldn't treat sitting in office as, as if it was winning a lottery 
But I, I, I got to tell you, I, I wish I could say, you know, traditional governance is, you know, is the, is the only governance that has an integrity left because it doesn't. I mean, look, I've, I've seen some of these communities that claim to be traditional communities where, again, the haves and the have-nots can be divided along those who are sitting in these so-called leadership positions and those who aren't. And that, that's true for elected systems and for, uh, for so-called traditional systems. I mean, again, when you're living large because, you know, because you get to wear feathers, then maybe we should rethink how we're doing that. And and again, for for us, for, for those who you know who who aren't carrying titles, however they get them, the more responsibility that we take up, the more that we define ourselves, the less somebody else can define uh, define us ourselves for us. Because I don't want somebody um, out there telling uh, you know telling native people to vote, who, who's been put into a position of authority or responsibility. I mean, sure, you can tell them to vote in your in your or to participate in your own governance. I'm all for that. But again, we've got responsibility to our children. We got responsibility to our grandchildren. We have responsibility to the to the earth to our to the to, to make sure that we are not destroying what sustains us and if we're not doing that man if all we're trying to figure out is how to get a bigger paycheck at the end of the week then our existence isn't our resistance that's the whole point the whole point is yes we should exist as the people we claim to be not just you know some label I mean I, I don't I, look it's great that you that you have a high wanta belt sticker on the back of your car or you've got those great tattoos and that kind of stuff. But if you don't know any of that means if it's just decoration I mean if if you identify yourself you know through a clan but you don't even know the title the the the, the, the title of that clan, I don't mean the animal, I mean I mean what title it is then you're not doing enough then then you're not you, then you're not carving out your your identity properly or or you are but but you're not doing enough put it that way and see this is where i look like i said it'd be great to say that our ability to to survive all of this this genocide the residential schools you know um massacres um, the oppression, uh, the reservation system, land theft, slavery, being bounties for our scalps. I mean, for, for us to survive all that is great if we can survive and still maintain some integrity to our identity and not just survive as the as L. Frank Baum you know, once called as a pack of whining cur that licks the hand that smites us. You know what licking the hand that smites us means? Voting in their elections. That's licking their hand. Running in, you know, having two of 400 Congress people, uh, you know, uh, you know, two women in a, in a Congress full of, uh, a House of Representatives full of, uh, full of 400 people. Say, oh yeah, we're, we're represented now. And again, I got to remind people, Mitch McConnell once told, uh, when, when there was talk about reparations for slavery, you know how he framed it one time? He said, you don't need reparations. You already got your reparations. You had eight years of Obama. He literally said to, to black people, you don't get reparations because we let, you, we let a black man in the White House for eight years. That's what he considered reparations. Well, what the hell do you think they, they're going to consider uh, Deborah Hallin and, and Sharice David or the, or the two Republicans from Oklahoma or, or whoever? Now, we got nothing coming. You're part of the system now. Um, Justin Trudeau's father, Pierre Trudeau, he said, "Look, if you don't speak your language, if you if you don't have your native identity left, you got nothing. You got nothing coming. You're just one of us now. Don't, don't talk to me about the Indian Act, or don't talk to me about about your tribal rights, because if you haven't been able to maintain your identity, you're just a Canadian." And he meant that as an insult (laughs) 
So this is the way they view us. Because, you know, it's, it's funny. You, you get told, you know, all these years of, you know, that what rights you don't have because you're native. And then as you assimilate, then you're told, well, you don't have any of those rights. You're, you're one of us now. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the, the ludicrous strategy that they've had. That's why they had kill the Indian, save the man. Because the man was a killed Indian, essentially, what they, is the way they looked at it. So the way that we resist is to maintain, maintain our identity. That's how we resist. Again, maybe we don't spill out onto the throughway every time we have a, a conflict, but we, sure, we still should be ready to. And, and, and the Senecas proved it in, in their fight over protecting the Allegheny River. I mean, that was one of the successful fights. I mean, we can talk about the, the Code Access Pipeline and, you know, Keystone and some of these other, uh, you know, all these pi- pipelines that we're trying to fight, all this, this environmental stuff. But we do have some victories along the way. And you know what? That one worked because everybody, you know, so many people got involved. And you know what? We got involved. We even had white allies helping us. I don't mean just a few people trying to get some some recognition. Yeah, I know some some celebrities showed up at uh, at uh, you know at the, at Standing Rock. But I think that I'll, I'll give you another example: the, the Hawaiians fighting the the, uh, the thirty meter telescope on uh, on Mauna Kea. Now everybody's more involved. In fact, even the people who used to be more only concentrating on Mauna Kea and not on Hawaiian independence. It, you, you, it was hard sometimes to get people who would, who would, you know, the, it was hard to get the Mauna Kea folks to talk about Hawaii. And oh, no, I'm not doing that. I'm just talking about protecting our mountains. Well, now that now that they're they've merged, they have power, and I think they're going to stop that damn telescope. I do. And yeah, they've had some, you know, some allies step up and some celebrities step up, uh, Hawaiian and others. But they're but they're gaining more support internationally too. See, that is about stepping up. Now, I'm not saying there aren't some real identity problems, you know, that exist even for the Hawaiian people. Everything from, you know, Christianity to military service to, you know, to so much others. I mean, look, we have, I see plenty of people who believe in Hawaiian independence who are still advocating to vote. And I think that's problematic. But I'm also going to tell you right now, and I'm not suggesting that everything is an all or nothing proposition. So, it's about the direction that we're going in. We look, we're in a better spot today than we were in the 50s. Like I said, um some of our people were, were throwing on plains Indian headdresses because they didn't we had already lost our way about things like Ostoas and, and some of our own culture. We got swept up in the Hollywood version of what our identity was. We were following them. We were trying to look like Iron Eyes Cody. We're better than that now. Now we understand what a mockery mascots are. Now we understand, you know, what Hollywood did to our identity. And and that's why we're stronger people for it. But you know what? Laced through all of that, we have an awful lot of people who are still willing to comply, still still willing to um to again assimilate. Again, I think that our our existence can be our resistance, but we have to work on our identity. And I talked about this before, and I just wanted to bring this up again this time. This is a, this is a good topic for today's show. So I want to thank you for listening. And uh, we'll we um, I'm not sure. Uh, well, well, we'll be back here. Uh, we'll be back here on Tuesday. Uh, I'm not sure what my schedule in New York is next week, but we'll talk about that on Tuesday. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you back here on Tuesday. Yeah, I should prefer to see the Aborigines and the Indians too. And the Indians too. This should be most enlightening. Uh, what makes the red bad red? Teach them all about Red Man.